Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to The Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello everyone, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome back to The Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry it's been a couple of days coming, my episode is late, I know, I've been late before but... This week's just been one of those weeks where things aren't going my way very well. And I don't know, that's okay, I think. I had to take out some time for myself and read a book and take a shower and do some yoga. Um, But I'm fine. I just, I think I needed a bit of a reset uh, from like social media and everything and just go away to research, talk to lots of cool people learn about new things and come back so that I could be the best version of myself for you guys. Now in other news, this is so random, but yesterday the new Jurassic World trailer came out and I, I, um, I'm not a big fan of the Jurassic World series, but I am a big fan of Jurassic Park, which is literally one of my favourite films ever. So I freaked out because like I don't care about the whole Jurassic World arc at all. But I just wanted I just wanted Jurassic Park. And I like I read the rumours that, you know, the old cast would be returning and like literally I Oh, sorry, random yawn. I have watched Jurassic Park so many times that if you watch it with me, I will narrate it. Like I will tell you everything i'm that annoying person who will sit there and speak with the screen (laughs) i have to try not to because i remember all the lines like if you want to watch star wars um yeah if you want to watch empire strikes back or jurassic park with me don't (laughs) because all i will do is talk with at the same time as all the characters on the screen um, but I absolutely love Jurassic Park and I absolutely love dinosaurs as you guys probably have realised at this point um, so yeah like I don't want to spoil the trailer for anyone but let's just say like you know there were some things and they made me extremely happy like I wasn't planning to watch this film at all um, because of the diabolical disaster the last one was in my opinion Sorry, I am going quite off tangent here. But what I am really excited about is that they've got, like, an Archaeopteryx as the, like, I guess the main villainy dinosaur. And Thank God, instead of, like, a new made-up one. But the Archaeopteryx is pretty cool. I believe it's, like, one of the first dinosaurs ever. Like, I saw it and I knew what it was. It's It's literally, like, known as the first bird because it's literally, like, a genus of a bird-like dinosaur and they're all feathery and it's pretty cool um they were absolutely massive as well and it's it's actually the earliest known bird that was ever found so it's it's a very very valuable valuable um fossil even i saw it at the national history museum natural history museum yeah that was it was pretty cool it's very big (laughs) i'm uh it's like it's like bigger than ostrich big like it's massive so imagine a small big dinosaur big that was a bad description but you get the picture (laughs) now 
On today's episode, I'm very, very excited to say that we have the wonderful Jessica Pingwild on. She is a wonderful person. She's a fellow directioner and she's also a disability activist and an educator. And I've been following her work for so, so long. So I'm really, really excited to get her on the show today. We also have our new segment, Losing the Plot. And today I thought I'd talk to you about something a little bit meh. But I think it's something that we don't talk about enough and that's what the show's all about. So, yeah. When I was younger, we had two rabbits. I grew up with two rabbits, Tinu and Twinkle. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, they were beautiful. One was completely white, had pink eyes, and the other one was black and white. And one of its ears always, her, her ears always flopped. Um, so that was Twinkle. She was so cute. Um... But yeah, they grew up with um, Mukil and I for about, I don't know, six years. I want to say they lived quite long uh, until one day I woke up maybe like the day or a couple of days before my birthday to go feed them. And uh, trigger warning, uh, mention of death and grief, I found Tinu suddenly not breathing. And I think that was my first ever kind of registration that death exists because all that time like relatives had passed away but I was I was quite young when they did and when they'd pass away like I'd be sad but I wouldn't really get what that means but I think seeing my rabbit in that way that kind of went oh my gosh okay so it's gone (laughs) she's not coming back and uh, I think that was literally like the first time I'd experienced death and I think death and grief is something that isn't spoken about enough even in the south asian community we we mourn we grieve but a lot of the time when these things do happen you know you have those people kind of enforcing a lot of toxic positivity being like oh well it's been a week you know you should you should be better now you should be happier now you should be moving on you know they're in a better place and all that stuff and i absolutely despise that but i know sometimes people do you know, say these things from the goodness of their heart, but a lot of the time it's not very helpful because in fact there is no timeline at all for grief. It's personalised and weird and non-linear and so it takes some time. And shortly after, uh, Tinu's sister, Twinkle, she passed away too and uh, (laughs) that news was broken to me a little differently. (laughs) (laughs) well to be fair the first time when Tinu passed away I broke the news to my family I literally ran inside screaming my mum was cooking in the kitchen I fell to the ground very dramatic and I was like she's dead and my mum was very very close to my rabbits so she was very upset um so after she died Twinkle also passed away (laughs) and um I went to school I fed her in the morning and I came back and my dad was like oh did you feed Twinkle today and I was like yeah yeah I fed her this morning <laughs> then he just went oh well she's dead now and I was like what the hell <laughs> and it was just over dinner <laughs> and I can't forget that because we were sitting in our conservatory and I was eating uh which is um I guess like yogurt rice with <laughs> some potatoes and he just went she's dead and I was like ah and I just started crying and I ran to my room and did the whole 
did the whole shebang. But looking back on it now, like I used to think that was so overdramatic. But at the same time, I think it was pretty valid. You know, I always went like, why did I react like that? Like, why did I act like it was the end of the world? And that's because to me back then, <laughs> again, it was it was quite a shock. It was quite a shock. Um, yeah. <laughs> So what I'm trying to say here is grief comes in all different forms and, you know, you reflect on it later in life. You reflect on it now. I- I'm not very old. I don't know why I sound like I'm a very wise person here. I know I'm not, but I think it's important to realise that grieving is a personal and necessary journey with like literally no predictable time frame or stages. And so many of these misconceptions about grief are common in our society because we tend not to openly mourn or talk about grief, in certain communities anyway. So, you know, when you let go of those misconceptions, it allows you to kind of authentically express your hurt and your grief and I guess you move in a different way. And that's what we're going to talk about today for a little bit (laughs) because I realised some important things over this week. Um, just, just me and my personal traumas, I suppose. But, yeah, I promise this is a cheerful episode. It's not very depressing. Uh, honestly, you will love the conversation I have with Jessica in the second half. Like, I had so much fun. Um, and you will absolutely fall in love with her because I have already fallen in love with her. She's now my favourite person and my best friend. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) But for now, I'm going to leave you with a song. And this song always cheers my dad up. Uh, so I guess this song's for my upper. It's lovely day. So enjoy. Oh, wait. No, don't enjoy. What? No, do enjoy the song. I just forgot my whole catchphrase, I guess. Is it a catchphrase? Is it like a, is it like a, a trademark sentence? Like the thing I say every single episode, I just forgot. That's <laughs> that's where I am today. Uh, so here I am, live in my bedroom at the Nilo Extract, where I'll try to challenge many socially pressing and relevant issues that aren't really talked about much. And as I'm broadcasting from home, please do excuse any fart noises, crinkles and pops and all that jazz in the background. And as usual, this episode will contain some good music, uncontainable weirdness and again now here's a song that i've been obsessed with lately and that's lovely day by bill withers enjoy gotta go to the bathroom so here's a long song Da 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 da
impossible to fail When someone else instead of me Always seems to know the way Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A lovely day he says lovely day you know i might actually just google it like how many times does bill withers say lovely day how many times i mean it's it's it, okay it's 18 seconds worth i mean that that doesn't help me at all <laughs> oh, okay he says it 26 times no 74 times okay 54 times everyone has a different answer <laughs> I guess I'll just have to sit and count it myself. God damn, Bill Withers. Why are you doing this to me, huh? This song came out ages ago. Your answers should be on the internet already. Uh, <laughs> now, we were talking about grief. We're back. And um, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, Nilla, why? <laughs> why are you bothering me like this on a weekday? Um, just because I can, really. Thanks for inviting me into your home on your little radio thing. But um, I thought I'd go through some misconceptions that I've heard to do with grief. 
because as you know, I went through a pretty traumatic incident. I mean, for those who don't know as well, I went through a pretty traumatic incident when I was about 14 years old. I lost someone very, very close to me. And um, safe to say, I didn't handle it very well. <laughs> um, I'm able to laugh about it now, I think, because I guess I just felt like I was so young. Like I'm 21 now. Um, I always say this, but when you're a teenager and when you're like, especially like 14 or 15, I just feel like you feel things so strongly um, and you're at a time in your life where everything seems massive. Everything seems like it's the end of the world. Like that one crush not liking you back. Oh my God, that's love gone forever or whatever it is. But I lost someone special and after that, it was quite difficult for me to come to terms with what had happened firstly and um, the acceptance process took a long time but I've spoken all about that in another episode if you want to listen to my traumatic high school experience. Uh, There's an episode called Degraded which I talk about it for like an hour. But what I'm trying to say is after that, a lot of people would come up to me and I'd be sad. I was literally like, I'm one of the most weird people I knew. I talk to everyone. I'm quite chatty. I just became so unchatty. I sat by myself every day and things like that. And I remember my teachers or even my friends or even like relatives, they used to be like, oh, well, it's been a month now or, or it's been a week now. Cheer up or like put a smile on your face. Just forget about them. It's over now. Like... It's like, it's God's plan. It's, it, it was, it was infuriating because I felt so pressurized to make myself look okay, make myself, um, you know, be perceived as completely fine and strong when I, sure, I felt strong, but I didn't have to necessarily show it. You know, I read in a book somewhere that we break down in front of the people who we love the most and... I tried to do that. I really did. But people surprise you, I think, when you're grieving. It can change people. (laughs) So I was surprised at how some people were just like, right, it's been a week. You know, pack it up. Right. I mean, my school, for instance, they gave us three days. Um, You know, let's say it's happened on a Saturday. Went back to school. They didn't let me take days off, which was awful. But I went back on... um, on a Tuesday, I remember, because I had a chemistry exam, if you can believe that. The whole school did, as in like my whole year, had a, like a, like a class test, which meant absolutely nothing in the long run. But yeah, we weren't allowed to skip it. Like, we were expected to fully come to school and write an exam. Um, which is crazy, like, you can tell that the that expectation that you should be over it after a certain amount of time, it's it's kind of ingrained and it passes on. And I'm sure other people just thought, okay, I should be over it by now, setting a timeline for themselves. I don't know how the grief process was for them. But I guess like, I don't, I don't know, I've never stopped grieving. It's been a while now. It's been many years. I've never stopped grieving. I was literally talking about how bad I was feeling to my mum the other day and talking about my friend and talking about you know how I was feeling and how I was feeling sad and like I let myself grieve because it's been so long but I think those feelings will never go away and that's okay 
and that's okay for anyone listening um because i guess time does not heal all things you know it doesn't it not alone anyway you know allowing ourselves to grieve over time heals the broken heart or whatever no <laughs> and the whole you know what didn't hurt last year won't hurt this year you know again it's not linear at all um it's just yeah i mean for me holiday times are a bit difficult because this happened near my birthday and that period of time i love my birthday um which is strange to say on air but i think my parents and my family know this by now but i love my birthday but i used to obsess over it like you know organize things and keep talking about my birthday my birthday my birthday because i didn't i was trying to distract myself from thinking about what i didn't want to think about um uh, and then after my birthday was over i'd be like christmas 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 because the, the few days after my birthday and before December, pretty tough for me. So, it, it you know, I just used to obsess over things like that. But now I'm at a place where I'm just like, it's okay if you want to have that, I guess, that sidetrack on your mind. I don't let it take over my thoughts or whatever, but I just, I don't know, I just leave it to do its thing. I don't unaddress it. I don't put it aside. I don't numb it or stuff it down. I just leave it there. And I'm no way, by the way, disclaimer, I'm not like an expert uh, when it comes to grieving or dealing with grief or bereavement, of course. Um, but this is just my experience and I thought I should talk about it. I think being in the South Asian community, after that funeral time, you just expect it to move on and, you know, every, I don't know, for me anyway, like the one Indian funeral I've been to for a relative, like it was very sad. People were crying, whatever, whatever. And then after that, everyone was just trying to make it look like nothing had ever happened and, I don't know it was just like back to work guys like it's um it's quite incredible (laughs) to see that it's um yeah but I think it's important to acknowledge that grief is not a bad emotion I mean I don't even think it's an emotion per se um I think it's just like a process a healing bit I don't know. I don't know. I messed that up. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is that it's not a burden and it's okay to feel that way. Even if you lost someone many, many moons ago. Um, You know, I see I see that every day, like with people who are closest to me that have lost people before I was even born. So it's okay. And um, don't worry, we're going to up the energy a little bit in here. But I just wanted to talk about that because I think I think grief is something is often pushed into a taboo side of things, you know, because grief is messy and it's dark and it's painful sometimes. And sometimes society tells us to keep it to ourselves. It's an intense feeling or, you know, it's best to not let anyone see it. So hide yourself from society. So the moment that grief enters our lives, we sometimes just get paralyzed or we're forced to navigate without like any sort of emotional framework or unsure, unsure of what to do with what we feel. Um, you know, the cultural nuances and I don't know, it's just, it's not, it's no size of it's all grief, you know, like it's, it's different for everyone as I keep saying and saying. So, so yeah, consider spreading awareness about grief. I think, um, the UK has a national grief awareness week now. I'm not sure when that is, it's probably December, but it shouldn't just be in December. 
you know, it should be all the time. <laughs> I think I read that, you know, when we feel uncomfortable talking about death and prevent seeking support, um, like less than 10% of adults even receive that support. I realise that it's an extremely privileged position to be to afford therapy and to find people to help you, but I think it should be accessible to everyone who needs it. Now, for a song, and then we're going to go to some cool bits. <laughs> so it's going to be some losing the plot, and then I'm going to introduce you to my wonderful guest of today. Here's another song you've been trying to forget. Losing the plot? Hello! And welcome to Losing the Plot. And I'm here today with my very, very good friend uh, who I've managed to somehow persuade into doing this or bribe her, <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, today, we're joined by the beautiful Yoshu. Hello, how are you? Hi, I was not bribed into it. I'm very happy to be here. No, it was really funny. So I'm with her. Well, I, I, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, Yoshu is like one of my oldest friends who I've had from Singapore I guess um and she's awesome she's she's gonna be a vet and she likes parrots and blue macaws uh she's very cool but now uh now it's come to the time where we test your film-tastic knowledge um but yeah if you can't guess it it's absolutely fine if you do I mean there's no prize so just try just try (laughs) If you do, you get nothing. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's your favorite movie? Like, oh, you- yeah, it's this movie that was released in two thousand called Almost Famous, and it's about the history of uh, rock and roll. Is that the Kate Hudson oh. film? Yes. I'm yeah. actually yet to watch that. I think everyone's watch been telling it. me it's such a good movie, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, speaking of movies, do you know a movie where a noseless guy has an unhealthy obsession with a teenage boy? I'm gonna guess Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah. Just, just you know, okay. just warming you up there a little bit. Yeah. Um. Okay. Hmm. Two 90 year old men fight when one of them can't remember who the other one is. Bit harder. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Two 90-year-old human men? Do I get yeah. men? Oh, so they're humans. Yes. Okay. I guess one of them could be considered as a superhuman, if you want a clue. But what Captain America? Mm-hmm. And oh shit, who does he fight? Oh my god, this is not good. I'll list all of them. I'm sure one of them is, <laughs> is Spider-Man. <laughs> why, is, Wait, why, why would funny. spider-man be 90 years old uh the franchise has been around for a long time and he's not aged yet. okay okay per so. canon per canon two 90 year old men fight when one of them can't remember who the other is so one of them is captain america the other one is another 90 year old man who doesn't oh my god look my flatmates were literally talking about this like a few weeks ago because they love <laughs> like superhero stuff and I was just like zoning out cutting my veggies not paying attention I should have listened um Batman versus no that's Batman versus someone else that's DC we're still talking about (laughs) Captain America (laughs) oh sorry no 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 it's we said Superman was one of them no we said Captain America (laughs) okay Captain America is one of them it's a Captain America movie Okay, it's a Captain America movie. One of the three Captain America movies. Is it Black Widow? 
Or, no, wait, you said it was a man. You said it was a man. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Oh my God, no. Um, It's the one that's Tony, Tony Stark, right? Right? No. Well, oh, it's not him. Um, Tony Stark isn't 90 years old. <laughs> Captain America versus. I could tell you the answer. Yeah, go ahead. It's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. He fights his best friend, Bucky Barnes. Oh, yeah. they worked it out. I don't know. They worked Did it they... out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's All okay. Right. It's okay. We went for like a. <laughs> it's okay. It was a hard one because it could have been any <laughs> two ninety-year-old men. But I like how we went from like Captain America to you just going Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Because I knew that was like a big one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, yeah, no, but... fair enough, fair enough. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is a Disney movie one. Oh, so nice. A girl has to pretend she's a man to be taken seriously. Mulan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. This is the last yeah. one. Beautiful okay. girl develops Stockholm syndrome whilst being kidnapped in a castle. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Do you like the animated one or the live action more? I haven't seen the live action one. With the, oh, you should. It's good. Emma it's Watson's good, in it. I love the animated one too much. And I'm like, have you seen the second part though? What? Because it's actually kind of cute. Like, there's a second one? They, yeah. And I swear there is where they like play in the snow and they're like super happy together. Uh, and stuff. Yeah. Or no, no, no. You're not making it up. You're not making <laughs> it's like it up. Really it's, like, it's like Bell's Christmas or whatever. No, no. I yeah. know what you mean. It's yeah. So Do you know? I don't know if it's just me, but I like him when he's a beast more. Like in like he just looks better. Or yeah, he like, just looks better. I always thought that the prince and the animated one he just didn't give me good vibes. I I, <laughs> I feel like he would have a J name to be fair. A J he'd name. Have a J name, and he'd be like a Gemini or a Scorpio or one of the big red flags. <laughs> 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 he's just like hey i kidnapped your dad now marry me yeah, like, <laughs> such scorpio behavior <laughs> okay well okay. i think you did extremely well some of those are really hard but thank you so much for coming on the show and um oh, racing me with your presence it was an honor to have you hope i get to have you on again um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> thanks yeah, thank you for having me <laughs> And that's all for losing the plot this week. Thank you so much to my guest this week, Yashu, who I I just I bullied for her to be here. I'm just kidding. She was lovely um, and pretty cool. She won nothing except my applause. I have no prizes to give, guys. <laughs> now, without further ado, here is my wonderful, wonderful guest this week, Jessica Pingwild. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I am great. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive into some of these topics today. (laughs) No, I'm really, really excited to have you. And as I was saying, just before we started, I am freaking out a little bit because I've admired your work for so long. And I'm just, just a shameless fangirl. So (laughs) thank you um, for coming on. (laughs) How, um, I mean, how have you been like the past couple of weeks? The sun's been shining, weirdly. Uh, I don't know if it's like that where you are. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a weird couple of weeks, actually. Um, I've been traveling a lot in January and then I got back and 
unfortunately my chronic illness I have gastroparesis it flared up a bit so just mm-hmm. kind of a weird start to 2022 but um it's February that. it's a new month and so we're, we're doing our best <laughs> exactly I get that I mean I don't know if it's just you but like I think I feel like this time last year January was going on for years but this year it just went by so quickly and that's kind of scary that it's already February I just maybe it's because we were in a lockdown maybe it was going slower but I mean did you feel that way oh 100% I think the winter last year like was just endless and Mm. it was just cold and dreary and sad (laughs) like the whole until honestly like June Truly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought summer was really nice but just until then it was snowing I remember there was like a random cyclone that came it was sunny and then it was raining and then it was snowing and then I built a sandcastle not sandcastle snowman um <laughs> but, <laughs> it's it's been a long day building sandcastles out of snow is what I do best um but Jessica for those who don't know you have an exceptionally cool Instagram platform that as I said I have been following for a while now um, I'd love to know how you started this, you know, this journey and like what made you wanting want what made you want to start educating us about various social issues. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a weird story um, because it it has two parts. Uh, I was having a really hard time my senior year of college, which uh, just to age myself a bit was three years ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my final year, I was really struggling with some ableism that I was experiencing at my university from Mm -hmm. both my peers and the like school itself. So it was just really negatively affecting my mental health and a lot of things. And I started talking to my friends about it. I started talking to a therapist about it. And all of that made me realize that, wait, wait a minute, I do have worth in this world and it doesn't matter that I'm disabled. I'm still a human being. And I need to start talking about this because nobody really is. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that was like the first moment that I was like, okay, I need to talk about it. Then making the blog and setting up the actual page was like its own thing, just because honestly, it started as a resume booster. I had a mentor tell me that in order to stand out in the storytelling and kind of marketing space, like you really need to set yourself apart and start a blog. And so I did. And um, the Instagram page was just meant to kind of advertise, if you will, the different blog posts I was putting on my website. But then now Instagram like is my main platform and the blog, like I, I do still plan to kind of revamp it at some point, but it's almost like a secondary feature, you know, my Instagram, I have so yeah. much fun making the, the videos and writing the captions there because it is like a blog. It, it's like its own blog, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, I think, I think like, I think what you do is incredible. And as I was saying, like, I've seen so many of your videos come up and it's such a great medium to like not only provide visual content but on the side you've got an explanation and it I don't know coincides to an audio or whatever it is but I I, I think it's great what you do um, um now you were speaking about ableism I am really sorry that you went through that experience at uni I think uni is already tough enough you know let alone you have so many people just making it even worse <laughs> but I mean what is ableism for those who don't know? And um, yeah, I'd love for, I'd love for you to tell me more about that. You know, about all the casual ableism that kind of underlies our culture and media and language and all that. Yeah, um, I think everybody kind of could define ableism a little bit differently, but I'm gonna kind of give just the general umbrella definition that I frequently give, and that is pretty much anything 
that sets disabled people as an outcast in mm-hmm. some form or way, whether that is intentional or unintentional, does not matter. As you mentioned, I know you said casual ableism, that's like very just minor aggressions and little things and just these passive kind of ways of almost creating a hierarchy in society between people that are disabled and people that are non-disabled. And that is ultimately what it is. And most of the time, I'd say people don't even recognize that it's happening because it is so ingrained into our culture and into the way we behave as a capitalistic society that really, really values productivity and values your ability to get not just things done, but do certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I completely get what you mean. And um, thank you for that explanation. I mean, I'm just starting to learn more about ableism and accessibility and, you know, more representation of disabled peoples. Um, But, you know, like speaking of certain behaviors of how you were saying, like certain micro behaviors, have you like ever experienced anything like infantilization, if that's the right word? (laughs) Yeah, because when I when I have seen even at uni, you know, the people like crouching down and talking slower and it's just like, what, why? (laughs) Honestly, yes. So, yes, yes, I have. But certain things that some people view as infantilization don't like don't come across as infantilization to me necessarily. But uh, like you mentioned, crouching down, like for me, if somebody like chooses to sit at a table or kind of bend down, so we're at eye level and it makes us more equal, that is something that I respect. As long, I mean, as long as they're not doing it like they're talking to a toddler and being like, okay, come, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But for sure, I have in like social situations where people are just, they, they talk over me or they, they don't talk to me. They talk to my parent or my friend or my husband because they don't think that I can provide them an answer. Sure. Um, and I've had a lot of people assume that because I'm physically disabled, that means I'm also intellectually or mentally disabled. And that's not the case, but that's the assumption that society often makes. Yeah. And I think it is like, I, I feel, I mean, I see so many misconceptions surrounding that where, you know, even if someone is mentally disabled, uh, people just assume that, you know, they can't, they're not capable of answering their own questions or telling you what they want. Or, I mean, I think that really sucks. And, you know, it's coming back to ableism. Um, I've seen a lot of your work also talking about systemic ableism. I mean, what is that for people who don't know? And how, how do we kind of, you know, change the narrative around that and keep the conversation going? Systemic ableism is just, I mean, it, it is ableism, but it's this, the type of ableism that is so ingrained in society that people just like genuinely don't even realize that it's happening. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's almost like the unintentional side of things. It's just, it's the fact that, again, we value productivity so much and it's the way we phrase things and it's the way we use certain words, like words that are ingrained in history negative history surrounding disabled people like crazy or um dumb or different terms like that that just roll off the tongue that we don't even think about but have so much like in the past they had so much power to them and understanding the effects that those words can bring back up and just how our history kind of promotes certain types of 
certain types of accessibility and not other types. So, and even looking at how we've handled this pandemic as a whole and how we've made changes overnight for pretty much the entire world. Whereas prior to that, we, we as a disability, sorry, we as the disability community were not able to get access to work from home opportunities or mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. So it's just kind of more on that side of thing. It's, it's more the system. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy though? Like how quickly we had to adapt to work at home and, you know, these options weren't even given to disabled people sometimes being like, Oh, well, we're not going to hire you. You can't work from home. We can't adjust. I mean, like, it's crazy how we needed that. And now that it's like a preferred way of just staying home and being able to work productively. Like I, I find that incredibly crazy that you can now get medicines delivered to your door, for example, or like, you know, whatever it is. Um, but accessibility in that case, I think we have such a long way to go. But you were talking about language. I mean, um, what's been your experience with language um, growing up? Uh, have you ever experienced anything I don't know why that or that question was meant to be there, but <laughs> yeah. No, I think honestly, language is something I focused on really heavily on my blog, especially yeah. at the outset. Um, and it's something I, I've kind of stepped away from because I've kind of paused on writing blog articles just for timing and life and all of that. Sure. Hoping to revamp it, like I said, soon. But ableist language in particular is something that um, I think the reason that I focus so heavily on it is because I was using it so frequently hmm. and it, it's, it's not something that affects me in a negative way necessarily. Like when I hear other people using it, I'm not triggered in any sort of way. I don't get instantly upset, but I think it's just something of being more conscious of how, how you're using these phrases, yeah. um, is what's most important and understanding, understanding the history behind it, which in turn, hopefully maybe by knowing that these words do have a negative past, whether or not they bring up negative emotions for people today, maybe by knowing that information, you'll start thinking about not just the language you use, but your behavior, access in general, and all sorts of different things that contribute to ableism in our society. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, are there a couple of examples that you could maybe share on how we could you know, say these certain things instead? For sure. Um, so I mentioned crazy before. I think that's yeah. probably one of the words that I hear the most frequently. It's in almost every song that has ever graced the top 100 charts. <laughs> it, it's everywhere. And again, it, it's not something that negatively brings out any sort of emotions for me personally. But one thing that I've really worked at saying instead is um, that's wild. That's absolutely wild. That that's mm. just an easy little switch that you you take kind of this negative term and you 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 just flip it for something else that very clearly like <laughs> wild isn't even connected to any sort of person human quality. It's all about like the outdoors and all that. So nobody can be offended by that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. <laughs> it's also coincidentally your surname, isn't it? <laughs> I mean that helps. <laughs> you just went a oh, quick switch to wild, and I was like, mm, "Where have I heard that before?" <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, 
I think this is a good time to take a very quick break. Um, I did tell you that I'd ask you for something. And I like, I say this to all my guests because I feel so bad, but in the middle, I just forget to tell them beforehand. So I'd just be like, oh, hey, so like pick a song. And they'd be like, uh, what? <laughs> um, but I'd love to play a song of your choosing on today's show. So do you have any ideas of what that might be? Um. How about Golden by Harry Styles? I love that song and I love you now. Official. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Harry Styles to an unhealthy level, I think. Yeah. Oh, same. Absolutely 100% same. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Are you going to the concert? Uh, yeah, I am. And I'm Are you actually? Really I cried I for three days, man. I cried for three days. I went, I went on the portal, like literally on time. And there were like 8,000 people in front of me. And my friend, I told her about the pre-sale and um, I was on the pre-sale sale too. But then I had to take a COVID test because that comes first. So I had to do that. And then by the time I went back to it, I'd missed my turn. And then she got the tickets with her friends. And guess where I am now? Not going to the concert. No. <laughs> You'll have to check like SeatGeek or um, Vivid Seats or one of those and try to see if you can get tickets. I will do anything. <laughs> I will do anything. Um, I'm that desperate. But like, I got so upset. I started crying and my mom was just like, wow. <laughs> like she was trying to be so understanding. <laughs> I took her to the One Direction concert <clears throat> and I was crying Were you a One Direction fan? Oh yeah, massive, massive Directioner. Wait. Same. Same. Okay, yes. <laughs> I knew there was a reason why I felt like we connected, but now this is the real reason why you're on the show. It's because you're a directioner. <laughs> oh my God. I was like the scary fangirl that used to like, like literally my whole high school career was dedicated to One Direction. I got my senior <laughs> pictures holding a picture of One Direction. No way. <laughs> I had a shrine in my room. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was like, you know how you have those two like inbuilt wall cupboards right so top to bottom it was posters and like handmade merchandise that I'd made it was now that I think about it it's a lot but I have no regrets you know what I mean <laughs> I went to the concert with tattoos on my face oh and my, my nails and my badge on my jean shorts and a One Direction shirt and a One Direction bag and I carried a One Direction autograph book as if they'd come out and come give me an autograph but girl can dream <laughs> have you met any of them have you met any of them no oh, okay <laughs> no <laughs> neither of I now I've not met any of them no no um I thought I would have by now you know younger me would have thought by this age I'd just be married to Harry Styles or whatever but same TBH, but yeah. If Harry Styles is listening, you know, I am in a relationship, but I I would be up for leaving it for you. So I'm not gonna lie, I was a Nile girl. Um, no way. And I I know I'm married, but like we might have to talk. If, exactly. If Nile comes knocking on my doorstep. And, you know, I, I think I had this conversation with my boyfriend he was just like what would you do if Harry Styles just walked to the room and I was like I'd say goodbye to you <laughs> like my priorities lie elsewhere but <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I like how we were talking about like 
ableism and then suddenly we're just talking about mad fantasies of one direction uh, this is my I favorite half of a conversation I don't know what you're talking about no this, this is, is how... the best conversation I've ever had <laughs> I feel so seen <laughs> this is my ideal this is like what I wish for in a day fair enough no last question about one direction before we actually cut to break did you read the Wattpad fanfics are you kidding me? Of course I did. I own all of the apps. Yeah, no way. Oh my I god. I do. They're, they're not you know, like, the after books were actually quite good. The movies were pathetic, but the, the books are actually quite good, you know. They are. I've seen like, the movies. They're sad, but the, the books are amazing. I will unreal. say the Wattpad ones are better than yeah. the published one i know i know that like the person who wrote it i've forgotten her name now she had to do like a bunch of edits obviously because of copyright and whatever and change their names and stuff to like harden scott as if that wasn't like oh i don't even want to talk about it <laughs> but the book the wattpad versions were well good i remember just like spending every day and i'd get through one of them oh my god but oh my gosh i'm so happy i'm so happy i've met you today <laughs> directioners always find each other you know jessica like this was meant to be so they do because we can never stop talking about harry styles now i feel like i know exactly i feel like we've been talking about him for 10 minutes now (laughs) that's okay it was worth it it was worth it yeah it was worth it but anyway golden by harry styles here we go okay and we're back and i hope you enjoyed harry styles because you have to you have no choice if you don't then we're not friends anymore and we're back with Jessica who's um who now I know is a fellow directioner so we have a completely new relationship now um <laughs> she is my best friend so <laughs> now Jessica before the break we were talking about we touched up about the pandemic a little bit and um you know what do you think's been the main I guess changes during the pandemic uh you know has it really influence the conversation around disability rights much? I personally don't think it's changed the conversation as much as it should have, considering the astronomical numbers concerning the disability community that have been both in the hospitalization and the death category of the outcomes of this pandemic. And I think that really goes to show how much work really still needs to be done to get representation for the disability community and just make people more aware of the fact that there are still so many barriers and so many problems and just such a lack of human rights for the disability community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, as you said, there is so much work to be done and we don't hear enough about it at all. Like, I feel like even after the pandemic and after all these different adjustments that we were just talking about, you'd, you'd think that the conversation would be, you know, getting bigger and there'd be more changes because maybe people realized, oh, it's so easy to make these changes. Maybe we could make it more accessible, but it's just so sad to realize that people aren't doing as much as they could be. Um, now we were talking about, you know, certain band. Um, but speaking of media, <laughs> I don't know what kind of transition that was. I kind of just wanted to mention them again. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't know if you agree with this, but growing up, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't see anyone who looked like me really playing the main character. And if they were, they were kind of 
a sidekick and ridiculed and marked or sometimes they weren't even played by a brown person um but now that we are having more representation and we're growing a little bit the south asian community is coming out more of it i do find that not all representation is good representation you know we still have people who are i guess representing us in stereotypical ways that and whatever it is um have you felt that way like especially with movies and tvs that you know tv shows that come out with disabled people in them do you feel like the representation is accurate or that it should be changing or is changing so there's a lot of different ways to answer this question the the first thing i'll say is authentic representation is so powerful and it is something that i think nine times out of ten the entertainment industry, the fashion industry, media in general gets wrong when it comes to disability. And not just because that they frequently hire actors to pretend to be disabled. Uh, mm. And that is so wrong for so many obvious reasons. But beyond that, we're also looking at the fact that the storylines that tend to involve disabled characters are so frequently geared towards some sort of positivity arc or doom and gloom. It's like one or of the other. It's either meant to be an inspirational story or it's meant to show that this disabled person is bitter and upset and frustrated and there's no middle ground. There's no talk of relationship or just casual placement of disabled yeah. characters as mothers or as grandparents or as teenagers who heaven forbid are having a sexual awakening. Any of these types of things are just not brought about. And some shows and some forms of media are starting to get it right. But it, it's not on the scale that it needs to be by any means. No, for sure. I do feel like a lot of the time it's inspirationalized more than looking at the fact that they're just another person who goes through like more or less the exact same, like, you know, they have a crush on someone or like, I don't know, they fail an exam or whatever, but I, I completely get what you mean. Like, I think there's so much to say there in terms of storyline. I mean, I don't know if you know the, like, I, I was a big Glee fan growing up. Yep. So I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I feel like we have a lot in common here. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I used to watch Glee all the time. And like, I, I genuinely thought that like the guy who plays Artie, who's a wheelchair user, that I just thought he was a disabled person. But then I remember, like, I, I remember I had the Glee fan book and I opened it up and here's this guy, like, walking across a red carpet. And I was like, what? I was so confused. I had no idea that he wasn't disabled in real life. And same with um, another show called Atypical, which I really, really liked. And it's about someone who has autism. And I was genuinely like, okay, it's not all about his autism. It's just like, you know, he has a girlfriend. He's sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it. He likes penguins and whatever it is. And then I found out that the person who plays it, it's such a big show. And most people don't know that he's not, he's not got autism in real life. So, um, yeah. I mean, have you been shocked by some shows like that? Like, you know, thought that they were played by disabled people and then maybe felt a bit disheartened that it wasn't the representation you were expecting? I think growing up, like, when I, I, as I just said, I, I'm a big fan of Glee. I was a big fan of nice, Glee. Nice. I, I actually just rewatched it with my friend. Last year, <laughs> so like I love that. Recent memories. Um, yeah. Anyway, I remember um, when I first saw 
Artie's character. I think that was that's the first like distinct memory I have of a disabled character on my TV screen, like growing okay. up. Hmm. And I remember when I found out that the actor was not disabled, I remember being so crushed because one of my lifelong dreams, like as a kid, was to be on the Disney Channel, right? And I know Glee wasn't Disney, but I was like, it's a similar type of vibe. In oh, some yeah. Way. They sing songs and dance. Yeah. Disney. yeah. But like to have this disabled character in a wheelchair, which as a wheelchair user myself, like that was really like important for me to like visualize. And then to see that he could get up and walk around and then to even see episodes that they made later on. Sorry if this is a spoiler alert, but like he dreams of being able to walk and like yeah. episodes like shows him romanticizing this and it's not just one episode there's like several throughout the series yeah I remember there was an episode where like there's this whole arc of where he's so desperate to walk that someone buys him like some sort of like a machine or an aid or something and then I I, yeah Hmm. yeah no that is 100% one of the storylines that I'm like referencing because it is so infuriating and that is exactly like the type of inauthentic story like people that are disabled I'd say I can't speak for all disabled people but like it doesn't like really it's not something I wish actively every single day every minute of my life to change like some days like sure I'm like man it would be nice to be able to go up this flight of stairs so I don't have to go find an elevator or whatever it may be but like Mm -hmm. it's not something that I'm like praying and wishing and like doing all of these ridiculous kind of things to change because it's not gonna change and it's just I don't know. I think that frustrates me. I I think uh, at this age that I'm at now and also being so entrenched in the disability community online and seeing the effects of poor representation, I'm not shocked anymore when I learn that something's Mm -hmm. not doing it right. Like I'm kind of like, I'm actually more, I'm shocked when they do it right. I'm not shocked. I get you. Yeah, Yeah. you find that rare nugget where you're just like, oh, wait, this isn't problematic. (laughs) I get that. (laughs) And then you begin to doubt it and look for issues with that. Yeah, I get that. I've been there. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just got a bit of a... I'm okay. I just breathed in too much air just then. I do that all the time. It's so bad. (laughs) Now, talk to me about disability inclusion. Um, I know it's, it's a rather very oh it's not rather it's very important and um you know you've spoken a lot about it in terms of employment in terms of like societal changes in terms of like equal responsibility um sorry yeah just getting responsibilities to do certain things and equality so tell me more about that and what's been your experience with it I think disability inclusion to me is something that I didn't realize was a super big problem until college and then I think that was like the first time that I was in a new environment because I I grew up in a really small town and I think the one benefit that I had in that situation was being able to make change and be able to kind of be loud enough to kind of make my voice heard if that makes sense yeah but then I got to a bigger pond and was drowned out by the rest of the noise. And once I got to college, it just, I felt excluded all the time. And 
was very stressful. And it, it comes down to a lot of different things. Accessibility, like lack of physical access into spaces is a huge one for me. I know it depends on a person's disability, what sort of access needs are required, of course. But for me, so many of my college buildings, for example, just didn't have a ramp. So I just I was unable to visit like 80% of campus or whatever it was. And it, it stuff like that, like just physical barriers and mental barriers and all of these people's like stereotypical beliefs and assumptions. I actually had somebody come up to me at the end of my sophomore year. Um, we were paired together for this group thing um, in college. And we got to know each other over the course of a week for this project. And then at the end of the week, he told me, he's like, you know, I've seen you around campus several times and I've always wanted to say something, but I didn't know how. Okay. And so I have it. And I'm like, okay. So it's just even things like that. And I mean, inclusion, one of the ways we fix it is by being aware of the fact that people are being excluded and all of that. And um, I think that to me, having that conversation with that person really also proved to me that what I was experiencing from my peers it wasn't in my head if that makes sense like yeah it it validated the fact that oh no people are actively like not talking to me people are actively like uncomfortable when I enter a room I'm really sorry that must have been a really shit experience especially like you know as a teenager things I, I feel like when I was a teenager anyway not that long ago um yeah, everything we feel is just so much more I guess intense and powerful and like you're you're finding out what you have an interest in and I don't know just yeah I, I get what you mean um well in that sense of feeling excluded in a way but uh, yeah I think there is so much that we can do to normalize the conversation about you know even saying the word disabled like I've met so many people who can't say it and they just say you, you know you know and I'm like uh no <laughs> why don't you say it <laughs> But um, I mean, speaking of that, have you ever experienced that? Like the people just having that fear of just talking about disability or just saying the word disability? Or disabled? All the time, all the time. And you know? like, I mean, it comes down to a lack of understanding and a lack of education, like ultimately is what it is. Like people are afraid of things that they don't understand and disability. One, one thing that is not on our side is the fact that disability comes in so many different shapes and sizes and the fact that like somebody with the exact same condition could have a very different experience than somebody else with the same condition and so because of that there's not like a rule book on how different people react to different things but that is also the human experience you could go up to any random person on the street disabled or non-disabled and have a really great interaction or a really poor interaction oh, and I think understanding that and getting over that hump is like the first real step that needs to be done is just truly viewing disabled people as human beings because ultimately that's what it tells me is that people don't view disabled people as full human beings mm. yeah no I, I see what you mean um thank you for that explanation I think that was really really I hope people listen to that and kind of I guess it's really important to see how we ourselves perceive and do that unlearning as well 
um, because a lot of the time people are just like, okay, it's relearning these terms, but it's also unlearning these, I guess, preconceived biases that we may have, like, you know, not considering disabled people as just whole people, like they're just people. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm not wrong, you grew up in America, yes? Yes. <laughs> now, this might this might be a troublesome question, but do you think the, like, the accessibility is better here in the UK or in America? No. It's better in the U.S., I'll be 100% honest. Hmm. But um, it, it is semi-hard to answer this question in full because of where I grew up. Um, because here, I complain about this a lot. The fact that like the London tube system is not fully accessible in 2022. Oh, it's is, not. It's crazy it's, to me. It's yeah. beyond it's understanding ridiculous. to me. But at the same time, I look at U.S. cities, and I'm pretty sure most of them either don't have an accessible, like, underground situation or don't have an underground at all. So I don't, I don't know of a U.S. city that has full access either. So I can't say that that, like, is better. But in terms of just, like, getting into shops and to get into apartments and that type of thing, the U.S. is better. Yeah. Is it perfect? No, but it is better for daily life like that. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. I was just like, mm, is this question going to get me in trouble? <laughs> Might as well try. But <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel like, as you said, both of them, the systems that they've got, is, it's not perfect at all. Like I haven't been to the US, so I literally have no idea. Um, it was great. Like my parents just went without me few times <laughs> no they left me at home to do my exams <laughs> how well, mean of that that's so mean you have to go once you graduate yeah. or even like just like go on a summer holiday or something I really want to like I know this sounds silly but I just really want to go to Disneyland like I just want to go to Disneyland so badly and I also want to go to San Francisco and have bread and chowder that's all I want to do but yeah, because my parents kept like bragging about what they've done in like San Francisco and Washington. And I was just like writing a maths examination. So. <laughs> At least they brought me back presents, you know. I mean, yeah. that's the least they could do. The least they could do. Yeah, just I love you, Armand Alpha, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> take me to America, please. Um, now, before you go, um, I don't want you to go because you're so lovely to talk to and I'm learning so much, but I'm a student and so are many people listening to this. And how can we just, even if we're not a student, just become better allies to the disabled community? I think the best way for anybody to be an ally to the disability community in 2022 is to make it a priority to go out of your way, make yourself uncomfortable and start understanding disability, whether that means you approach somebody and befriend somebody in person, or if it means you read information on the internet, casually follow different disability advocates online. There's different ways that you can get this information, but honestly, just making it a part of your education, because I'll be honest with you, schools are far from making it any sort of mandatory form of inclusion any sort because my college made it mandatory that we learn about all different types of inclusion but 
ableism and disability were completely not included. And to my understanding, they still aren't. Oh, gosh. So it, mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I graduated three years ago and I was in that class God, seven years ago. So it's just like wild. Um, no. But <laughs> wild. Uh, either way. <laughs> I should just have like a ting, like a ping noise every time that comes up. Oh, wait, that's also part of your name. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're we're going to ping whenever we ha- hear a wild. I love hear it. Hear a wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> um. But no, seriously, like, I think that's like pretty much what I was getting at though. Like just do the work yourself because other people are like, society is not ready to provide it for you. So you to be the best ally you can be is to just be educated on these topics. So if you're in a room that a disabled person is not, you can speak up for a disabled person or you can amplify voices that are already out there. Yeah, for sure. And especially about what you said about, you know, going out and doing the work yourself I think a lot of people forget that even though there are so many educators out there there are educators of color disabled people like LGBTQ members you know Google is free books are free I mean at the library anyway but you know there are so many resources out there for us to go and do our own research I think it's so important for people to do that because at the end of the day conversations like this are so wonderful because they do branch out give you ideas on what to look at next because I know I've learned a lot in this conversation I hope whoever else is listening to this has too um other than the facts about like random one direction facts but um (laughs) no but thank you so much for coming on today like I genuinely have learned a lot from you and it's been so wonderful to get to know you through this short span of time I really wish you can come on again (laughs) so we can talk more I mean, I'm down. I, this was really fun. I feel like I've made a new friend here today. And I love talking about this stuff. Like, because I mean, this is the work that I do every day. Like this is stuff that I'm passionate about. So this is a joy. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I will see you later. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Vanilla Extract. You can find this episode anytime you want on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all your major podcast streaming websites. You can find these in the link in my Instagram bio at Vanilla Extract, and you can just Google them too if you wanted to. A massive thank you to our wonderful guest who came onto the show today. I hope you learned something because I certainly did. And thank you to Rob for the name of today's episode. Have a nice week.